0: Do it again.
1: Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the
0: world. You're listening to drinks, jokes, and storytelling. A hey martini, shaken, not start. Start. Don't try and church Someone it up, son.
1: You can't handle the truth.
2: I am big. The picture that got
1: small. Your first one's on us.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Riccadonna, and with me as always... Richie
1: Bird. That fucking song,
0: man,
1: every day. <laughs> hey,
0: you better listen to that when you're out on your walks. I
1: gotta start, I know, right? I gotta start. I love that song. It's got the beat,
0: you know? You got the walking beat with
1: it. I'm just thinking you and Pigeon the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I took How the kicks... You? I'm good, man. How are you?
1: I'm all right. You hanging in there? We had a rough. We had, we a, had rough a rough one yesterday.
0: yesterday. I tied one on last night. Yeah, I, I had a tough uh,
1: week. I had a tough week. You had a tough day. Um, but it, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're it's Brian time to be Flammer. happy
0: again. Huh? It's it's time to be happy again, right?
1: Can we just say Brian Flammer? We're just always right there.
0: He's always there. there. Love live, that man.
1: Live comments, Brian Flammer. He's the best, man. The
0: Flam man.
1: Yeah. So, Marco, um, couple of things before we start. We have a great guest. Yeah. A good friend of yours. A very,
0: yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Special guest.
1: Before we bring him out, I'm doing something here a little different. Every day we put something under our names where instead of like you put ethical hacking today. Um I love you too Brian. I'm going to I put a name under mine and every day I'm going to put a different word and people have to figure out what the words are, what they mean. Yeah. And when you come up with it, if you have an idea, post it on the live comment. Whoever comes up with it first gets a free Richie Byrne
0: t-shirt. How about that? Richie Burn. I'm, I'm almost I don't right. even know the answer, so nobody texts Mark me. Mark doesn't even know what this is. I don't know it. That I night. assume Mark assumed very wrong. I assume that it was your bathhouse house days and uh, when you used to hit the club after the bathhouse. But apparently I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's start out. You had your walk today. We had a little talk while you were walking, and I, was, uh, I took the kids out for a walk after. I was a little inspired, and I got to be honest, about three minutes into the walk, I was uninspired and ready to go right back home. Walking with children, not fun.
1: No, I can't imagine walking with children can be fun. And I, I, The thing with walking with children, I would think, is you probably only get a block, but in that block, you must do about two and a half miles.
0: Yeah, uh, well, at least the stress of it felt like two and a half miles. My heart rate was through the roof. The kids were talking about going in somebody's basement. I'm like, Jesus, let's just go home. We're going to go home. And then a huge thunderstorm came, so uh, uh dodged that bullet. Um, usually we just go in the backyard. We have a fire and uh, play in the yard. You know, we have well, a nice private yard.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I have... A little fireplace in my backyard. And I have not taken advantage of it. And I should. You got maybe, it, man. I love doing it, you know. I just haven't... I mean, I haven't taken advantage of it since all this went down,
0: you know. Yeah. Uh, tr- I cleaned out my shed. That was a, a really big deal.
1: I have to do my garage. That's... Yeah. yeah. I, have a, I
0: have a beautiful shed. It's a three-door shed. And uh, the kids have a section where they keep stuff. I have my tools section. Then there's one section that the previous owner stored wood, tons of wood. And this wood is probably termite infested. I'm not bringing it into the house to do the fireplace. I'm going to burn it outside. So yeah. Yeah, I made it a that. deal all summer long, fires every night.
1: I lived in a basement apartment once with termites, and it was brutal. You do not want termites, bro.
0: Oof.
1: Um. So we're doing a little something called topic of the day. Yeah, and I sent it to you. I used this as my joke of the day. I didn't even have to write a joke.
0: (laughs) No joke written. I mean,
1: put this article from the Post that I saw.
0: (laughs) Thank God that the New York Post already wrote the joke for you.
1: Yes, they did, and it's about. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen this. The great Hulk Hogan has decided that we don't need a vaccination. That this is God's way of telling us to cut the shit.
0: He's purging
1: Hulk, Hulk Hogan.
0: Hulk Hogan is telling us to get our shit together. Yes. Through God.
1: And I love what he said. He said, um, you know, that you want to go and worship athletes. God got rid of your stadiums. You want to go and worship rock stars. God got rid of your arenas. And I'm like, and you, you want to worship money. God got rid of your finance. And I'm just like,
0: aren't you the guy who said the N word in a homemade porno?
1: (laughs) 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 And I love, I love, people quote the bible like well and and they say god said god didn't write the bible people he didn't write it you know who wrote it some guys
0: they wrote it (laughs) i love tom bannison hulk hogan that's where i get all my medical advice (laughs) when you need steroids or learn how to make some pythons
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know trump was saying no, this is going to work. I talked to Hulk Hogan. He said it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> then, then I'm a hundred percent behind Trump. If Hulk Hogan said it, I, I, I think I'm, between the two of them, though, let's be honest, and let, it's not—I'm not getting political here—but who has the worst hairdo? Oh, Trump. <laughs> Hulk Hogan has the comb that what? WWF mauled it up.
1: I, I love. I'm just. I can't take, like, even, and I know this is rude, but the uh, celebrities who are sitting in their by their pools
0: going, telling everybody stay home, stay. People.
1: stay home. We all have, and you're like, really? All right. So, but Hulk Hogan, I mean, how you bring God into this when you're Hulk Hogan is beyond me. <laughs> uh, this, Tom Bannis wrote, and I watched Dr. Oz when I want to see a good body slam.
0: <laughs> Dave Matthews busting our balls. Yeah. Thanks Dave.
1: <laughs> thanks, Dave. All right. Well, let's get going here.
0: All right. Uh, we I'm got a special, excited. we got a very special guest. Uh, I'm so excited. I met this man, um, with, uh, doing John Fuglesang's podcast. I've known about him from way beyond that. We have a mutual friend that, uh, Ronnie actually grew up with, um, I'm so excited. Amazing actor, an amazing writer, amazing director. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Marmo. Ronnie Marmo is in the house. How about that for an introduction? I love it. Dude, you got the best hair ever. Look
2: at the hair. I'm like like the Italian Bob Ross over (laughs) here. I just need a little paintbrush. I don't know what's happening.
1: There's a lot of... There's a lot of Generation Z listening and going, who the hell's Bob Ross? I'm
2: looking for an underground uh, uh, prohibition haircut right now. You know what I mean? I'm looking for a snipe easy. How about that? Oh, <laughs> who's
1: the Yankee? what's the Yankee in the back?
2: Who oh, this is- is great. This was one of my great nights in my life. That's uh signed by Joe Torrey and Reggie Jackson.
1: Nice. What? This was
2: six at Fenway Park the night that the night after Pedro threw uh, Don Zimmer to the ground. Remember all that? Yes. Yeah. I was there the next night. The next night was a rain out. So then I was there the next night, and this was game six, and I ended up beating all the Yankees that night. Uh, wow. We lost 3-2, to two, and honestly, I was never more relieved because I thought I was going to get whacked in the stadium. I was the only one there. Me and Brian Austin Green is one of my best buddies. He and I went, and he had a little Yankee emblem on his shirt, like a little sissy over here, like nobody could even see it, like a, like a speck. <laughs> I wore my jersey and I almost got killed that night. <laughs> <laughs> was one of the scariest nights of my yeah. life. Yeah,
1: you're, a, you're a
2: monster. Yeah, and I got a nice hot dog stain, ketchup stain right here.
0: Tell people it's blood.
2: No, I do. Fuck I it.
0: Tell them it's blood.
2: It was one of the scariest nights of my life. It was 3 1 in the eighth, and Ruben Sierra got up for the Yankees and hit a solo home run. And I turned to Brian. I said, We got to get out of here. I got really nervous. like it was. Yeah. No so they wanted to kill us. They yeah, I to
0: kill bet. Us. I bet.
2: <laughs> and I met Reggie, who was the meanest fucking jerk I've ever met in my life. Uh,
1: you never hear a good thing about Reggie from. What a nine.
2: jerk he was! Oh my god, it's a great story. I don't think we have time for, it, but another time I'll give it to you. But he was really. A, it was a crazy night, man.
1: You know, I um years ago um that show The Bronx Is Burning, the movie that, that, that was on... Uh,
2: oh, great, yeah, but The Bronx Is Burning. Yeah, yeah.
1: and um, I happened to do a show at Yogi's um, museum. Yep. And he had all... The, it was a charity event, so Greg Nettles was there. And uh-huh. there, everybody, I mean, everybody was there, but but Greg Nettles was there, and Nettles was my idol when I was a kid. Uh-huh. So I'm talking to Nettles, and that moved that up. Miniseries had just been out. And Reggie had just been on FAN talking about how it was revisionist history, that that wasn't really, because Reggie doesn't come off good in that movie. No. Or the book.
2: Or and, his life. He doesn't come off good in life.
1: No. So I'm saying to Nettles, I'm at the bar with Nettles, and I go, hey, you know, Reggie said that that movie wasn't really true. Do, do you agree with that? And Nettles goes, considering I was the advisor on the movie? <laughs>
2: I mean, the night the night I met Reggie, the the short version is he literally. I said, "Reggie, autograph." And there's a whole bunch that led up to that. And he goes, "No autographs." And he walks by me, and I go, "I lost my mind." He gets. He was about to get on the bus. I go, "Reggie, Reggie." He turns around. I said, "Look at me." And he, he looks at me, and I go, "I said, I said, when I met, oh uh, no, I go, I go, uh, I, I I I bought you candy bars, Reggie. You're the reason I watch baseball." And he goes, get over here, you little motherfucker. Get over here, right? <laughs> he goes, I'm like this, like a fucking 12-year-old. And he starts poking me. He starts going, if a man doesn't want to sign an autograph, he doesn't have to sign an autograph. Are you serious? And I go, Reggie, I'm a grown man. I'm not some fucking kid. You're the reason I watch baseball. Now sign my fucking shirt. <laughs> he goes, I love it. He goes like that. And he goes, you're fucking nuts. I go, yeah, I'm not." i'll sign it but i don't mean it
1: metal <laughs> metal's even said to me he, go, I, he goes it wasn't he goes it wasn't blown out of proportion we held back
2: oh i'm you know? sure and, and, i'm sure
1: and he said he goes everyone thought that reggie and thurman hated each other he goes they really didn't hate each other because i couldn't stand reggie but he, he was like really funny you so that's story I'm hanging out with Nettles all night. I was number nine my whole life growing up because of Greg yeah, Nettles. So place, and I'm trying to be cool. You know, I'm trying to be cool. He'd see me do comedy. I even on stage, I said, Greg Nettles is right there. Like, I couldn't. So Help
2: yourself. So. I understand.
1: So we're having, we're, we're having some pops. We're drinking. We're getting drunk. And uh-huh. we're having a great time. He's telling stories. I'm being cool. All of a sudden, I have that one scotch too many. Oh, and yeah. I just look at him and I go, you were so much better than Brooks Robinson, and I swear to God, he goes, "Oh, give me a fucking break!" And he walked away. <laughs> ah!
0: Beautiful, that's great, man. I I'm actually a uh, a Yankee fan from um, I grew up in Ohio, but it's because of a name you just mentioned, Thurman Munson.
2: Right,
0: Thurman Munson lived in my hometown, and uh, my father actually worked at the airport where the the crash was. No way. Thurman Munson was like uh, – and my brother actually went to school with his uh, son. and
2: Yankees Yan- Yankee uh, catcher. And then Bobby Mercer, the night of his funeral, came and got up. Remember he pinch hit Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he hit a double
1: the home run, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, Billy wasn't going to play him. Right. Bobby gave the eulogy that day. That's right. And they that was Steinbrenner because they told – they weren't going to let the Yankees go to the funeral. Uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, wouldn't let – said, listen, they have a game that night in New York – they can't get back. And Stein and he said, if you're not, you can't what if something goes wrong? And Steinbrenner goes, then we'll forfeit the fucking game. They're going to the funeral. Yeah. And they I, got back. Yeah. And and Bobby was spent. And Billy said, I'm not going to play you. And Bobby said, I gotta play. Yeah. And he had a home run to tie it and then a two run double to win it. And yeah, that was that's yeah. a great game, man.
2: Oh, that was we it, could talk it, Yankees all night, man. I got so much Yankee stuff. I, um, I spent a few years on General Hospital and then right. there was Babe Root's granddaughter signed oh. and sent me that because even on General Hospital they would give me my dialogue would be all about the Yankees. I oh, yeah. it's the weirdest thing I'd be on this soap opera going you see what Peter did list like this was my <laughs> and so they knew I was the biggest Yankee fan in the world so Babe Root's family sent me all these things. Wow your father would have loved you blah 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 so Now oh, that's cool man man is yes. be-
1: We'll have. I look to- Mark had you out here to talk about acting, and you and I have been talking Yankees for ten minutes. I don't
0: mind. Nobody, nobody, nobody in their right mind cares if you guys talk a little Yankees. Come you on, you think
2: they're going
1: to play this year?
2: I really hope so. I it, it is so important. We all need it. I I'm okay with it without fans. Let's play the game. Is like we need it. I think it's going to happen, but I think it's a tall order. You know.
1: I'm thinking July fourth.
2: Oh, that's a cool. That's a great. That would be, be, be a great idea. I'm hoping May, but July 4th is... It's, uh,
1: I don't see May at all. They,
2: I'll be
0: honest. A shorter weeks? baseball season would be way more exciting. Yeah. You'd be well, way more invested in I
1: really it. don't... I'm worried that hockey and basketball are just not going to come back, which... you know,
0: I'm I,
2: okay I, I with. Don't,
1: I don't see how they can make it work and then start their next season, you know?
2: Tough times, man. I don't know. This is no joke what we're dealing with. It's been, yeah.
1: It, I mean, Broadway. My God, the... I'm the Broadway shows broke my heart.
2: And my show, I closed my show. I was in Chicago doing my show. Oh, that's right. That's right hey, well, before before we even get into that,
0: okay. we have we want to play a little clip so people know what we're talking about. Oh, okay. um, so real quick, this man has written and acted in this beautiful show that my wife and I were so lucky to get a chance to see while it was still in New York, directed by the great Joe Montagna. And uh, Ronnie, you did not you wrote it. I Let did. alone, and then played in it. That, I, I just, you were so amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, we, au- we actually have a clip we're going to play, and we'll play this so our audience knows what we're talking about. Great. Let's do
2: it. How many people in this club tonight have ever used the word? Come on, raise your hands, don't be shy. Let's get really honest with each. Are you fucking kidding me, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You sir. Have you ever had your blah blah? Listen, it's a simple yes and no answer. But remember, it's illegal to say it, and illegal to do it within the city limits of San Francisco. Okay, from a show of hands, how many men in this room have ever had their blah blah? Come on, put them up. Okay, keep them up there because I keep them up for You poor son of a bitch, really. Keep him up, well maybe he's with his daughter, that's what he's like. Keep them up, fellas. Keep them up. Okay, from a show of hands, how many men in this room have ever blah a blot?
0: <laughs> Somebody's not telling the truth. Ch- oh, one guy's
2: telling the truth. Not a boy. She's looking at me like, please, no. You, man. Have you ever blotted on? <laughs> the guy's in the back. And this guy's like, I'm going to kill this guy. This is the dirtiest show I've ever done. Totally atrociously blasphemous. Just the way I like it.
0: It's beautiful, baby. Excellent. And so you portrayed the amazing Lenny Bruce in your show. And uh, I got to ask, what was it like to be uh, an actor? And I know you have a lot of friends in the comedy community. But what was it like to uh, to play a comedian? You had to start sleeping in. You had yeah. to start uh, <laughs> staying out later.
2: Working a lot less. I had to get a lot more depressed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Bastard. Um, no, you know, the truth is, I have so much respect. People ask me all the time, do you do comedy? Because I'm really comfortable with the mic and... And I would never say that I do comedy because I wouldn't disrespect that incredible art form. I, I, you know, I think you have to bomb at least 20 times before you call yourself a comic, right? So, <laughs> or, or more, something like that, right? So, so, uh, what was it like? It was. Uh, I've always been pretty comfortable in it with a mic, but it's very challenging. and scary because I want I want to be authentic. I want people who come to see it. The comics are Lenny Bruce friends. And people who believe in what he did and the comics are the ones that i'm doing the story for not for the other people so i want them to go oh, ah you're a comic you know so, yeah
0: i yeah. It, it was pretty crazy because i knew who you were and when we hung out on john's show and then when w- my wife and i went to the show we were watching you and she turned to me and she was like i thought you said he wasn't a stand-up comic and i was like nobody's doing really good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. you, Knocked it out of the park, man.
2: I did comedy once, and I opened for, do you guys know Mike Marino? Yeah. So, dear, dear friend, and uh, Michael Wheels Parisi? Sure, yeah. I, was, I Those guys, and I was on General Hospital, and they thought they'd sell a few more tickets by having me be the opening act. I, <laughs> I always daydreamed about doing it, you know? So there was like a 1,000-seat house, literally, and I came out and I host a show, and I wrote about five. Wheels helped me write the five minutes the night before, I came out and I got a huge laugh. And I literally turned to the audience and I said, please stop laughing. I don't have time in my life for this. Because <laughs> I, I felt what happened. Yeah. I went, No. You're hooked. No. You're hooked.
1: No, yeah. No. That's a great line.
2: I said, stop fucking laughing, please. I don't have time for this shit. I'm doing it because it's a little dream that I've fantasized but I can't have anybody laughing at what I'm doing right
1: now. Right.
2: <laughs> so, right.
1: Well, I, what are you drinking there, Ronnie?
2: Oh. I'm yeah, drinking- the way we you start do every do that, show. Mark. I'm drinking a very masculine hot cup of cinnamon tea.
1: Okay.
0: And Ooh. I have
2: a little honey. I've been squirting in here. With right. a few Better days. No. I'm a little hot tea. I, I'm, a, I'm a tea guy. I, uh, I, this is what I drink. I like tea. What am I going to okay. tell you? <laughs> no no, no that's great richie what are you drinking
1: i went another way tonight I, I i went sweet i like the honey i went with a little rum and coke markets.
0: oh look at you what kind of rum are you drinking
1: bacardi coconut because
0: bacardi coconut because yeah you hung know. out at the limelight so <laughs> That's almost
1: spit right on the
0: computer. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry, Richie. You don't have the most feminine feminine drink, neither you or Ronnie. I am drinking White Girl drunk. I'm there getting white girl drunk tonight. There with it some is. Truly hard lemonade.
1: Wifey's gonna get the second base tonight.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, she's gonna get to fill these jugs.
2: Oh my <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Ronnie, you're from <laughs> Brooklyn?
2: Uh, originally, I was born uh, in Brooklyn. lived there only till I was six. Then I moved to a uh, central Jersey Woodbridge. Oh, uh, okay, but my grandparents and everybody stayed in Brooklyn, so we were there every weekend. So I claim both. But if when I were had- you in Jersey, uh, Woodbridge.
1: Oh, I, I grew up in Staten Island.
2: You did? Oh, I lived. Yeah, in, I lived in Huguenot for a year. Did you really? When I was eighteen. I wanted to get my own apartment, and I moved to Huguenot on kramer avenue there i had oh, this, i know kramer we moved uh, we moved up on the top of this house and uh yeah i'm a staten island guy i, I took my little cousin to her ta- to the tottenville prom oh really i was like 28 she's like cousin ronnie with a thick accent cousin ronnie i don't like the boys over here you take me to the thing so I, I, I got a limo for her and 10 friends and i took them to the friggin' prom it was awesome that's,
0: That's what, something I noticed about uh uh New Yorkers and New Jersey people who are born and raised when they need street cred, they're Brooklyn or Bronx kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. And when and when they wanna seem a little more uh they wanna seem a little more they're New Yorkers or from Jersey just outside the city. Just yeah. outside the city. Just outside actress- the city. I'm not
1: gonna say who, but I met an actress at Doctor Oz show. And um she grew up, she went to high school with my cousin. She, I know she grew up in Staten Island. And I go, Hey, you're a Staten Island girl. How huh? she's Brooklyn, she probably was born yeah, in Brooklyn. I don't want
2: to claim Staten Island,
1: yeah. And I go, And I hate that. And I go, No, no, you're from Staten Island. She's No, no, Brooklyn. And I go, Okay, but you went to Countess Moore High School on Staten Island, you lived here. You but she goes, Why do you know that? I go, You knew my cousin. And, I, and then she goes, all right, <laughs> you caught me. She goes. I moved from Brooklyn when I was
2: three. <laughs> well, that's why I say, "Gun to my head, I claim Woodbridge." Because even though I went back every weekend, mm. but nobody, nobody in Central Jersey, like our mutual friend James De Benedetto, none of my friends sound like me because I never lost the Brooklyn thing. Right, but I could tone it down, you know. But Did you uh, were around that though, growing up, you know. Yeah, so you were part of my life. You know what? Too, I used to hang in. A, when I was a, t- a derelict teenager, I used to go down the South Beach. At that arcade. Do you remember the arcade in South yeah, sure, sure. I did a lot of stupid things over there. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought we know a lot of the similar people. I'm just saying. That'll How much thing.
1: now you got me telling stories? Um, that's the point on- of
0: the show, baby.
1: I was on South Beach. I was in South Beach uh, after Hurricane Sandy, South oh. Beach got destroyed. Yeah. And um, I worked for the Dr. Oz show and he went to Staten Island to do help, to help, and I went with him. And we were down on South Beach, and he said, I bet you have a lot of memories here. And I'm like, yeah, I threw up from getting drunk for the first time over there. Uh, yeah. I got my first this over there. I, and he goes, well, those are some sick memories. I meant like maybe, you know, you went with the family or something. Like yeah. I had all these all I
0: blacked out over there, so I'm sure stuff yeah.
2: happened, but I, I don't remember.
1: Just, you know, like it was like ridiculous
2: yeah, not in South East. Yeah, not in South Beach. I did a lot of stuff, things there. But anyway. How's he getting into acting? You know, I um you know, it's weird. I you know, I grew up like in Jersey and New York and, and I always like uh I got in late. I got in, I started acting when I was twenty-four. Really? Yeah, yeah. When I was a teenager, I didn't know what I was gonna do. But I was like a weird kid. I was a total street kid. I ran the streets like a maniac, but I would like do all the stupid things we all did, and then I'd go home and, like, write poetry, you know? Like, totally stu- You had your hidden art side. Yeah, I didn't know, though. I didn't know what I, what it was. It was like I was tweaking for 48 days, forty eight hours with no sleep up like a psycho, total rager. And then I would go home and, like, totally have this other side. And then when my mother passed away, a young woman, she used to always say, "You should do theater. I see when we go to the theater, you go crazy. It's like, oh, I can't get in front of all those people. There's no way. And then when, when she passed away, I was like, you know, what am I waiting for? Honestly. Let's like, go for I it. it. And I called this guy and I, and I, who I knew did local theater. And it was an audition at the Edison Valley Playhouse on Oak Tree Road. And I, um, and I, and I didn't even know it was called an audition. I called it a tryout because I like sports. <laughs> I said, hey, when you hear about the next play tryout, let me know. And he goes, <laughs> okay. And I went to the play tryout and I got the part. It was the weirdest thing. And and Bill You've never
1: Se- had any experience.
2: Nah, Bill Cecilberg uh, gave me my first yes, and I'll never never forget. I appreciate that. And so and so even rehearsal, I would call it play practice. <laughs> like baseball, dude, I guys at play practice, and nobody ever corrected me. You know that you and I have a very similar.
0: I I wasn't necessarily a, a derelict, but I was more a jock. I was uh I was all sports. It was football, wrestling, and I was good at it. But I I was always in the art class. I was taking photography classes. I was painting, and uh, there were uh, a kid quit the school play, and I said, and I was painting the background. My brother and I were painting the set, and uh, I was like, I'll do it. And they're like, What? And I go, That's it. That's show business. Who cares? I'll do it. And I did it. And I pretty much improvised the play. I learned what I was supposed to do, you know. But like, I didn't have time to memorize the lines, and I was like, I really like this. Yeah. And, that, and I was the same way. I would call it play practice. When's the next practice? When, do, when can we practice? When will practice the play? <laughs>
1: well, I went, I went to uh, an all-boys high school, and, uh, and I, I was captain of my soccer team, and I played football for a little while. And then I got involved in the theater, and a bunch of the football guys would give me crap about like, What are you doing that theater shit for, Burns? Everyone call me Burns. What are you doing that theater shit for? And then we had a school dance. And when I went to the dance with my girlfriend, who I met from the play, the next thing you knew, every football player was trying out for the play to <laughs> <laughs>
0: the right. ladies. That's right.
2: Yeah. Funny, it's it's great. You know, I uh, I really had the, I had that experience that is very hokey. Is that w- literally when I walked on stage opening night? I'll never forget. I think James DeBenedetto was in the audience. All my friends were
0: in his metal Metallica shirt, oh, long
2: hair, just you know. But James DeBenedetto, all those guys who I love dearly, they're still my best friends in the world. But I remember they all came out the first night, and I really had that experience. I walked on stage. It was a 99-seat theater, and they were all full all the seats. And I got hit by that lightning bolt. It was the weirdest thing. I went – it was very similar to the, oh, shit, I don't have time for this. This was, oh, shit, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, people don't know this about me, but I never went to high school. I'm an eighth-grade dropout. I never- what? Yeah, I never went inside of a high school, man. I'm a fucking maniac. I'm an eighth grade dropout. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I, uh, I was a garbage man. I was a pizza man. I was this. I did all kinds of weird shit. I dealt in pharmaceuticals, let's just say that, for a while. <laughs> like, uh, and I, I made a lot of money. Uh, I didn't know what I and then when this happened, I found the thing. I went, oh my God, this is it. I don't know how I'm going to get to do this forever, but but I know I'm, I found it. I found the thing that has never made me happier and never made me, uh, you know, I just found it. So that, that happened, it was that moment. I was like, oh man.
1: That's yeah. great, man. You know, That's some so people awesome. never find that.
2: I know. And that was yeah. 12 years ago, and you know, it was half, ago, half my life ago.
1: I love the people who tell me, I, I'm, I bet it's happened to you guys. They're like, no, I could have been an actor. Or I could have been a comedian. Yeah. I yeah. just didn't know the right people. I'm like, you're right, I had it easy. Yeah. You know,
2: that was a for cool me.
1: I knew everybody.
2: When I first started acting, here's what I would get for all the time, being Italian-American. I'd get this from my cousins in freaking New York or Philadelphia. Why don't you get yourself on The Sopranos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Silly me, let me call them.
1: <laughs> right, we get Saturday Night <laughs> Live. Why, why yeah. are you gonna do Saturday
2: Night Live? get yourself on the Sopranos. Oh yeah. Let me call them. I I didn't realize my
0: grandmother. This is a very sweet version of that. My grandmother called me and it was when I was still in theater school in Manhattan. And, uh, I was looking for a day job, um, to supplement my rent. And, uh, she goes, Oh my God, Mark, I know the perfect job for you. And I was like, Oh yeah. She goes, yeah. And I, my grandmother from Warren, Ohio, what the hell did she know about New York city? She goes, Well, this guy, Andy Richter, is leaving the Conan O'Brien show. You would be so good at his job. All he does is sit on the couch and laugh at shit. You would be so good. I'm like, you're right, Grandma. And
1: And now you're my Andy Richter.
0: Yeah, I'm Andy Richter to his Conan.
2: Well, it worked out just <laughs> a little differently than Grandma's.
0: <laughs> Less money, but, you know, all the laughs are the same. Ronnie,
1: so what made you want to do this play about Lenny Bruce?
2: You know, that's that's a long story, so I'll try to give you the bullet points. Basically, about 12 years ago, a comic named Charlie Brill. You guys know Charlie Brill? Yeah. yeah. Charlie and McCall. Charlie's one of my best friends. Uh, Charlie Brill, Jack Burns, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, rest yeah. of soul.
1: Oh, did he really?
2: Oh yeah, Jack just. Oh, I didn't won. know that. Jack Burns, Charlie Brill, Bobcat, a lot of Goldberg right. guys. I see them every week, and we would go have lunch, and uh, you know, we're just, we're just very close to these guys. So Charlie came to me one day, and he said, "You know, Ronnie, I'm thinking about this, you you know who Bruce was?" I said, "Well, I know of him. You know, I know Carlin and all those guys, but I before my time, but I know we were." And he said, he said, you know, you should. Uh, I've got this one-man show that was written for me. Would you consider doing it? I don't want to do it. You remind me of Lenny. And I said, uh, well, let me read it. So it took two years because I read it. And quite honestly, I was nervous because a lot of Lenny's friends are still alive. It was in L.A. And long story short, I said to Charlie and his wife, Mitzi McCall, after two years, I said, if you guys do one night of your old routine at my theater for all our friends, if you give us an evening with Charlie Billy, and Mitzi McCall, you dust off your act for twenty—you haven't done it in twenty-five years.
1: That's very cool.
2: I'll do the play, and he did. Mitzi and Charlie did this great night for all of us. There was a hundred of us there. Dude, I would have loved to have been there. Oh my god, yeah. Months.
1: I forgot he was married to Mitzi McCall.
2: Oh, uh, they're my—they're my people. Yeah. And so uh, I wrote a play for them. I've directed them many times. Uh, those guys. So anyway, I did the play. It was written by Sam Bobrick and Julie Stein. It was called Lenny Bruce's back and Boise. eat this. Uh, it was, it was funny. It was this and that. I did a six month run, grave reviews. It went great. But what happened was, is I realized throughout my preparation and learning about Lenny that there was so much not being said and they didn't have the rights to the material. So I was talking about the bits. I wasn't doing, anything. uh, I w- it was a very safe version of Lenny. We didn't really get into the drug addiction and all that stuff. And so I went to the writer. I said, look, I'd like to do my own. I'd like to add the bits to your piece said, know my play's written. I said, okay. So I set off to write my own and I wanted to tell the entire story. Because quite honestly, I fell in love with Lenny Bruce. Uh, Our parallels of our lives are so shockingly similar. It would blow your mind if I pointed them all out. And I said, wow, as an actor, I found the thing, the vessel, the story I want to tell and i wrote my own and mark saw it and it's pretty it's heartbreaking it's funny it's tragic it's it's all of it right
0: yeah oh my god and i i i was kind of friendly i was friendly with kitty bruce for a while oh yeah and in fact after i was on the show with you i immediately emailed her that i was on the show with you and uh i can't wait to see the play and I, I, I got to be honest, when I was younger, I tried to listen to Lenny Bruce because I knew he was a legend, and it didn't stick with me. But then I watched it later, and I realized how relevant and what it was worth. It was, it's, it's so important to hear it and realize the history of it.
2: Well, if, I'm, if I may, Mark, here's the thing about Lenny that a lot of people misunderstand. It's like you'll see people that say, oh, he wasn't funny. Well, a lot of times he wasn't funny, but he was the first guy to pick up a microphone without a set routine and talk about what was going on. He's the first guy to go. He brought the
0: cat skills to the Lower East
2: Side. Yeah, he said, well, hey, exactly. listen to what my wife did last night. What? You're going to talk about your wife? Right. You know, he was that guy, and people don't understand just how instrumental. And, and also, Mark, people seem to tell me that. A lot of people tell me, if you find Lenny Bruce before you see my show, sometimes it's hard to digest. But what I've done is I've gone through all Lenny's material. I picked the stuff that's relevant and maybe some funny stuff. I I was able to like, I was able to comb through all the ums and ah's and him trying to find his voice, and I so I present the show that's much more uh, digestible. Yeah. And so, if you find Lenny after you see my show, it's a lot easier to already have a jumping off
0: point. So yeah.
2: I was I when I was
0: so when I was a teenager I knew he was important so I tried to listen to him and it didn't resonate because I didn't understand history yeah. I didn't understand that he was saying stuff that was actually happening in that moment yeah. I was going oh wow he swore and he said this I can hear Andrew Dice Clay do that you know or whatever and then when I got older and kind of understood the world a little more and realized oh my god he was doing that during a time nobody did that. Right. And he was doing that when it was really He was doing that
1: when Carlin was clean.
0: Yeah. yeah. Carlin they, was a baby.
1: Uh, Mike Marino's on. Hey Mike, it's funny you mentioned Mike Marino. Yeah. Oh. Mike, Where's
0: we my... gave you a shout out earlier.
1: There he is, Mike Marino. Michael. Uh, you know, what what people don't don't realize is that Lenny was immensely talented uh as far as back in the 50s he was doing that cat skill stuff and was amazing at imitations and yeah, imitations. Right. If you go on YouTube, you can see all the TV shows back in the fifties and early sixties. He was phenomenal.
2: And right, he was- He could dance. He could do impressions. He could he- write. He could do all those things. But then right, like right, right. He felt like a fraud. Eventually, he was like, "I don't want to do these. I want to talk." He about- he did
0: the Picasso thing. You got to be a great artist before you can do the crazy shit.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, if you just do crazy shit, it's not worth anything. He wanted yeah. to tell the truth. You know, he wanted to hold a mirror up to society and just talk about the truth. And then he started getting busted for, for you know, freedom of speech. And then all of a sudden he became the, uh, you know, he became the person who was, how do I say it? Like, you know, they, they, made, a, they made an example of him. They treated him horribly. and yeah. Yeah, Because there were other guys like uh, uh, Red Fox. There were other guys doing blue material. But it was
0: very underground. Very well, underground.
1: And what is it true though that he would call the cops on himself?
2: Uh, I never heard that. Was I it? heard
1: that he would call the cops and say Lenny Bruce is going to be at this club tonight. He's very dirty. Someone needs to stop this because he knew he'd get more publicity from getting arrested.
2: I, I I will respectfully say I never heard read any of that, and I've never seen anything that I haven't heard or read. So I don't know
1: where I heard that, but I heard. I think I saw it in an interview or something. That
2: could have been one, Did he say it?
1: I don't know, I can't, I was like a kid, and I remember hearing that, and I thought, that's brilliant.
2: Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I I, I think he was, uh, I don't know, that would be disappointing to me. So I, I'm <laughs> I to that.
1: I just find it amazing, it's such a great way to get here in friggin' Omaha going, yeah, the cops came, you know? Yeah, that's
2: funny. Well, he was uh, He was so ahead of his time, and he was so special, and uh, and you know, he, he was like the first comic who was like, he was almost like a spoken word artist, I mean... Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah. just the name of my title is I'm not a comedian I'm Lenny Bruce and that was a quote he had said one night when he wasn't funny he said I'm sorry I'm not funny tonight I'm not a comedian I'm Lenny Bruce I and, love that and I thought my title sums up the whole play right, right like, yeah you know so I um so
0: before we get to our joke where we're gonna have Ronnie we're gonna have you tell a street joke
2: oh great
0: <laughs> before we do that we have another clip we'd like to show uh, this one's titled Mud and here it comes sorry i uh, i didn't warn the guys up top that we were <laughs> gonna do that
2: <laughs> you put guns on a desert island they'll do it to mud <laughs> Like, if you, you, you caught your husband with mud, you were somehow able to get overseas, you know? Mud! Don't talk to me, that's all! You piece of shit! Go with your mud, have fun! You want dinner? Get your mud to make dinner for you. that's all! No, you can't get angry though. you know? You can't want to leave for just that. At all.
0: That's, dude. Yeah. You. No, it's good. It's uh. It's you transform. Good.
2: And you, you were transform. doing it in Chicago. Yeah, right. yeah. I did. I did. Uh, we did 120 episodes in L uh, performances in L. A. Uh, ran a long time here. Then we uh, over 15 months. Then we did nine months off Broadway. Did exactly 100 performances. Really. Yeah, and that
1: Montaigne, Montaigne directed all of it.
2: All of it, yeah. That that clip right there is from New York, which Mark saw that production. And then, yeah. and then the next, uh, we've been in Chicago now for about five months, did 85 performances, and I was doing performances the weekend of March 15th, one of the last shows left in Chicago, and I wanted people to, I was there anyway, I said, I'll do the show if you want to show up. I said, general admission, sit where you want. We only sold a quarter of the house, uh, and so it's a 200-seat house. We didn't sell more than 40 tickets. People spread out, and I did four performances over the weekend and then packed it up March 15th, did 85 in Chicago, and I fully intend on going back to doing, uh, you know, uh, I want to do at least 15 more. I'm going to get to 100 if it kills me. And Chicago really embraced show, and they love it, and, and we're currently setting up a national tour of the play. And what can I say? I You know, I'm so – I'm just – I did 305 performances, and uh, – I'm just getting started. Isn't that wacky? To feel that way?
1: Right. No, I understand. I'm so I, that's like comedy.
0: I uh, real quick. I want uh, first. I want to get you to tell a, a street joke. I, I.
2: You want like uh, a joke, like a story joke, or like a joke joke?
0: A joke joke. We always tell a joke joke during our show.
2: Yeah, I have like, one. I got clean. I got dirty. What are you looking for?
0: Let's go dirty. You're playing Lenny
2: Bruce. Funny. You got to yeah. go dirty. Uh, well, I got. I got. Um, uh, all right. So what do you what do you get it when you uh, what do you get when you uh, when you uh, you put a uh, uh how does this joke go? What do you get when you cross a genius with a hooker? What's that? A fucking know it all. Ha! How's that? How's that? I love it. I got I got I got a, I got a thousand. You want you want me to? Tell I you?
0: love jokes, man. What do you do when a comedian comes to your front door? What? Take the pizza and give him a twenty.
2: Yeah, or an actor, or a balloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Usually party.
0: it's a bass player, but I wanted to make it a comedian.
2: I like it, I like
0: it. <laughs> what do you call a beautiful woman on the arm of a, of a comedian? What?
2: A tattoo. Ah, uh, historical. <laughs> Why do Italian men grow mustaches? What's that? What, so they can look like their mothers. <laughs> Why do Italian men wear gold chains? Sh- What's that? So they know where to stop shaving. <laughs> Guilty. I've a Horrible Jewish joke, which I'm not going to tell because my friend's Jewish. She goes, "Don't tell it, you jerk." <laughs> <laughs> it's Really not even nice. Your, your, your show, they'll shut it down if I tell. Uh, All <laughs> we'll,
0: right, we'll switch back. We'll switch gears back to the show. Um, I, I do have a question. I wanted to ask you when you were with uh, a Joe. I actually, we have a photo. Let's put the photo up of the night. Uh, Angie and I came to see you at the show, and there's the beautiful Rhonda Rhonda,
1: Oh, Rhonda.
0: Yeah, she randomly was sitting next to me, um, sitting right next to me. There we all are. What a great show! What a terrific night. And what, what was the theater it was in?
2: That was at the Box Theater. It's a, it's down in the East Village. It's called the Box, it's not a traditional theater. No, it was,
0: it was amazing. Um, so we had the, we went to order, you know, you, they have food and drinks and all that stuff at your table. And so uh, I wasn't listening well because I was just so excited for live theater. When the lady came out and took our order, I, I said, Well, we'll have a wine. We'll have wine. And then she goes, She said, What kind of wine? I go, Yeah, yeah, just two of them, please. So you don't have to come back during the show. So we'll each take two. She brings out two bottles of wine. I was like,
2: "Oops!" <laughs> yeah, no, I remember you when you left. You looked like you had two bottles to yourself.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, I was
2: worried about you that for the next twenty-four hours. I said, "Oh, he's a shot
0: This guy ain't making it home. Thank God I had Angie to drive me home.
2: I, I, I do remember that. So I
0: didn't. We didn't plan that. I I thought I was getting two glasses. <laughs> so
2: Mark, you
1: had four bottles of wine at your table.
0: A uh, two bottles.
1: Oh, I thought you said two bottles
0: each. Oh, no, no, it was... I I was being... (laughs) He was just pointing uh, out that I didn't hold it well.
1: So what did Angie drink?
0: Nothing. She had water. (laughs) (laughs) We enjoyed that show so much, and Joe was the nicest guy on the planet.
2: Montaigne was there that night, yeah. Yeah,
0: and he actually... um, Him and my wife got along so well because they started talking about the armed services um, and all the stuff Joe does. My my father-in-law is a... uh, He's a veteran, uh, Purple Heart veteran of Vietnam, and uh, they started just chatting away about uh, all the stuff he does. I want to know how did you get to uh, a? I understand you guys are friends, but how did you get him to direct this play? Like,
2: you're
0: not you're you're not doing like a revival of some. You're going, hey Joe, will you do a play I wrote? It's a uh, you know, it's a long shot. We don't know. It's never been up. But
2: uh, will you direct it? <laughs> Here's what happened, uh, Joe Montana. So this this is for any young actors or comics who are who are watching, who uh, think this can't happen. You can. Uh, I'm I'm living proof. I wrote this movie about 15, 17, 18 years ago now called West of Brooklyn. You can get it. You can rent it. West of Brooklyn. I wrote the film.
0: And everybody should. Because he could use the, the cash while we're not allowed to work, so I mean, everybody go out and I mean, fucking
2: rent it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I had cast all my friends. Some of them were celebrities. Some of them weren't. Walter Zarghetti, some great people. Some General Hospital Uh Even before I was on General Hospital, which is weird. And then there was one role. I was like, I have to have the actor Joe Montane. It has to be Joe Montana. I didn't know him, so I found a P.O. box for him and I wrote him a long letter. Expressing how much I appreciate him as an artist and being an Italian American actor and I don't want to be pigeonholed. And I love how he's navigated his career and he's one of my favorite actors. And would he consider giving this kid a shot? I was like twenty seven. I was like, if you would just read my script and maybe consider doing this part, it would be amazing. Two days later he called me and said, It's Joe Montana. And I sent it to a P.O. box. I didn't think he'd ever go. And he said, I read your script and I'd like to have lunch. And that was, you know, eighteen years ago. And uh been my mentor ever since. So, wow. so he's always been really kind to me. He's a good man. Love the movie. He did the he did the movie you see, you see. And then um he's my hero, you know, he's my mentor. When when
0: we were on the show and you mentioned he was uh he directed it and you guys were talking, I thought it was very interesting because you, you remind me a lot of him because he's one of the Italian com or Italian actors who are out there who's not A stereotype of an Italian actor, you
2: know. Yeah, I work hard on that, man, because i I like doing those mob roles because they're important. They're fun and they are important, but they exist. People like that exist. But I also like to do other things. You know, there, there are there there are Italians named Dante as well as Capone. If you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I think that's important for people to remember. There's lock. There's door. There's uh. There's lawyers. There's doctors. There's all kinds of it. Italian people on the planet not just guys. Italians have done more than shot people and made pizza that's right but also <laughs> I've played Irish I've played different i played Hispanic you know I'm you're playing people. Jewish
1: with Lenny Bruce
2: I'm playing Jewish right now I played on Criminal Minds last night uh, uh, Mitchell my name is Mitchell McCord I was a white guy you know so I play white people once in a while you know what I mean <laughs> so um do you have i
0: know everything's on hold everything's screwed up but when we get out of this are you going right back to the show and getting it back up in chicago or what's the plan
2: yeah i mean you saw the show and and so it's oh it takes so much i can't wait for you to say it takes so much out of you and it's so it's it's literally an incredible experience every night it's cathartic for me to go through it's like 90 minutes of therapy you know and and i miss it so terribly my body's in shock i haven't been able to have that for three weeks kind of losing my mind and so my intention is to go right back to chicago and finish what i started and then we're setting up a national tour we're going to do the show all over the country and uh so i will i I left the set where it is my dressing room is full my underwear and socks are sitting in my dressing room in chicago and i I gotta get myself back there so i'm gonna do it yeah chicago's really embraced the play and i I feel like we were just getting started, quite honestly. Yeah. I, I feel I, like
1: we're just getting started here.
2: I know. We're 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 almost at
0: fifty and I gotta tell Oh, there's my wife. Oh, Angie. Hi. <laughs> Did she just
1: tell you that? What's that? Did she have to type it? Couldn't she just tell you that the show was incredible?
0: Well, I think She's she right she there. she just wanted to the compliment there, Richie. Relax.
1: Okay. You have to go relax, on.
0: Richie. You're not the only woman in my life.
1: <laughs> wow. I used to be damn it. I uh,
2: I'm, yeah. I mean, if you guys have to go, we could go. I I could hang a few more minutes. I don't know what how long. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, we we've gone a little long, but I, I, it's so interesting. I I have a hard time saying we need to wrap. But uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's now, ask you, a couple let more let questions. And Ronnie, if you have anything you want I to tell have a us,
1: question. when you um, you said you auditioned for that play. You got in the play. You were twenty four years old. Mm-hmm. After you did the play, did you then say, I need to take classes, or did you just go right into the city? What did you do?
2: You know, I had a really unorthodox uh, way of going about it. I think acting class, I think, is very important. I also think it could be very dangerous, and here's what I I mean. I I didn't end up – I went from play to play to play. Suddenly in central New Jersey, I became – it was really bizarre, but by the second show I had done – People were just offering me to do plays. I wasn't even auditioning. It was the weirdest thing. They're like, "Can you do my play?" Because I had such crazy raw talent, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even.
0: He was the Daniel Day Lewis of Bergen County.
2: Of Middlesex County. (laughs) Middlesex. (laughs) So, what happened was about a year into doing community theater, I auditioned for um, Tony and Tina's Wedding in Philadelphia, and I got the job. And uh, I was commuting every, you know, three days a week to Philadelphia to do Tony and Tini's wedding for 30 bucks a show. And I thought I had made it was amazing. and then I and then I auditioned for the national tour of Tony and Tina's, and I got the national tour. I was making 800 a week to act. I was like, I'll do, I'll do it for nothing. So, so what happened was that all happened within like less than two years. So I never found a class and I never had the New York experience. Then when I was in Houston, a friend of mine who was a very successful famous actress said, you want to come out here and live with me and take a shot in Hollywood? And so I did. So I haven't had the New York experience as an actor. Interesting. Two years ago, really? I have. I've made a living for 20 years without having that experience. Mr. That's Brooklyn, not getting the New York experience. I mean, I had done movies in New York when I was offered a movie. I'd fly back, but I didn't have the right. pavement in New York. And now, but
1: but did you did you end up? I know you. We t- you said about, and I agree with you what you're saying about classes. But had you taken any classes? Yeah. And when did you get into writing?
2: Here's the thing, Richie, here's my thing. I want to be really clear so people cuz I'm an artistic director of two theater companies and I don't mm. want anybody, and I've been for 19 years. I don't want anybody going this guy's an artistic director doesn't believe the class. All I'm saying is I think finding a good teacher is no different than a therapist, meaning like you can go to the best acting teacher in the world, but if you guys don't speak the same language, right. you might regress. Yeah. A There's a relationship that has to happen between an actor and a student. Yeah. It, And I know that like I teach all the time, but I teach as a director. I don't pretend I'm an acting teacher. Mm -hmm. Because not to get too deep, but I don't even believe you could actually teach
0: acting.
2: I I think teach people how to deal with themselves and how to figure out how to communicate certain things. But you you understand. I,
0: I, thought, I, I 100% agree with you. And I I the the American Academy of Dramatic Arts they had a theory that it was you learn every method, you learn every theory. That's my theory. Ring out the sponge and whatever sticks with you, whatever's still the wet in the sponge, that's your method, that's your theory, and that's what that. you do. And,
1: and you can you can take from different methods. I know oh, I did. Sure. Um, I saw i think it was martin balsam but i can't remember it was one of those old school old time actors and he had the greatest line about acting class acting school he said you watch a baseball player get up to hit none of them have the same stance but the same goal is there and that's such you and you have to look you can look at it that way with acting that you know whatever way you feel comfortable that's
2: the best way to go. Well, I, I teach a workshop from time to time, and I'm never in the same city long enough to have a weekly class, but I'll do like weekend intense workshops, and the name of my workshop is called Stop Fucking Acting, because <laughs> I don't like watching acting. Nobody oh, likes- acting is the worst to okay, watch. That shit. If you spot acting when I'm acting, please tell me like, oh, I saw some acting. Right. Nobody wants to see, see that, right? They want to see the truth. So it should be called Living... Or reacting or something else. But yeah.
1: Don't you don't you think it's the hardest thing to explain to someone who doesn't understand acting though? Yeah. And how many acting classes have you been in? Because I have, where you go, Oh my God, this person doesn't get it at all.
2: Well, a lot of people. And that's the thing. It's so subjective, you know. I have friends who are making a huge living right now that I go, if this was about deserving or about preparation
0: Oh, they, it's the same in comedy.
2: You know, it's like yeah, they would not be doing it. I mean, I have, I have two or three friends that you know very famous that I will not mention that hit the lottery because they auditioned for the one thing that was perfect. For them. And they hit the lottery essentially because had they been pounding the pavement, they weren't good enough. And and that's the thing about me as an actor. I, I try to be good enough or better than everybody else because I feel like at the end of the day, hopefully talent wins and performance wins out.
1: You know? Yeah, it yeah. does.
2: Not, I uh, the, one of the big things that
0: woke me up on what acting is was um, when I think it was De Niro said that you don't cry in a scene. the The scene is you trying not
2: to cry. Nobody no, cries on purpose. You try not to cry. That's more effective, you know. Once you cry, the moment's over, and everybody don't. You can't really attach to that. No, acting is really interesting. I uh, like I said, it's reacting, and uh, you know, people ask me how long did you rehearse for Lenny? I said. Since I came out of my mother, that's how long I've been here. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I bring everything all the time. I don't understand that question. You know,
0: I Ronnie, just, we're gonna wrap up here. I gotta tell you right now, I absolutely love today. I Ronnie, really enjoyed having you on. Thanks. We're
1: gonna put you backstage, but stay on if you can. Have stay little on. Little don't don't stay leave on. the studio. We're not done yet.
2: All right. Um, I appreciate you guys both. Thank you for having me on. What's the show? Fun. Say the show, Mark. Drinks, jokes, and storytelling. No, no, Ronnie. Oh. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm Lenny Bruce, directed by the great Joe Montaigne. In fact, if you go to LennyBruceOnStage.com, um, you could go down a rabbit hole of all our, our reviews and great interviews. Okay. LennyBruceOnStage.com. We
1: can't play. wait for it to come. Listen, when it comes back, when this shit's over,
2: we're all we'll going back
1: on the show oh. and, and, and we'll talk more about it. You were, you were a
2: great guest, man. Really.
0: Can't wait to have you back. I'm happy to be here. I
2: feel honored. Thank
0: you. And that was Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and
1: Storytelling.